Well, hey folks, welcome back to The Pew for this bonus episode of the Just a Guy on the Pew podcast. If you've been listening for the last couple of weeks, you know this is something we've started, these episodes where we're interviewing some of the best presenters and just dynamic Catholic men in the church. Um, you know, we do everything we can here to bring you as many um, testimonies and stories and all that we can to help you become and that you want to be the men that God created you to be. So, you know, over the last few weeks, we've had a few guests, but I'm super excited to bring on uh, the guests that we have today. Uh, we're going to have on Dr. Bob Schutz. I'm going to bring him up here in a minute. If you don't know Dr. Bob Schutz, he is the founder of the JP2 Healing Center. Um, he's done a lot of things in his life. It would take me a while to list them all off, and Dr. Bob probably wouldn't want me to list them all off, but he's written a few books. Um, you know, He helps do retreats and all of these things at the center. Uh, he's been a therapist for 30 years, working in marriage and family relationships as well. Uh, he's also been a professor at several different schools, and he's also led some courses at the Theology of the Body Institute and the Augustine Institute as well. So uh, I met Dr. Bob a few weeks ago. I was graced uh, by God. It was a blessing to get to meet him during our virtual Catholic conference, healing conference that we put on. You guys know that I'm a part of that and, and with Ryan Foley and Matt Engel, my partners, and we had that conference put together where Dr. Bob uh, so graciously came on and led prayer rooms and great, gave great talks and uh, I happened to meet him, and we could tell that story here in a minute, but it was a joy and a pleasure, and I'm just so thankful for him uh, being willing to come on today. So without further ado, I would like to bring up Dr. Bob Schutz and start our conversation. So Dr. Bob, it's great to be with you. Thanks for coming on. Hey, John. Great to be with you, too. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, well, I got to tell you something. Uh, you know, we, we've been putting on these virtual Catholic conferences, you know, for the last, since April, really. I always want to say for a year, but I, I forget it hadn't been a full year yet since all this COVID stuff happened, you know. But, you know, one of the ones I was excited about was when Ryan Foley, my partner's wife, Melissa, really came to us and said, I would love to do something in healing. She has a healing ministry loved already. And, you know, she she taught you and the experiences she had had with you at the JP2 Healing Center. And, and uh, just watching her put all that together was amazing. And that was one where I was just kind of sitting in the background, helping speakers come on board and get people the things they needed to, to put the conference together. That's my main uh, role there. And I remember we had these prooms. It was the first time we'd done them in a conference and they were so powerful, but I wasn't really supposed to take part in any of those. Melissa just, uh, Melissa and Matt Ingold and some of the other folks were kind of monitoring those and making sure that those were getting in there and that things were going right. Well, we had this last minute addition. Sister Miriam uh, James Heidland was at one of the keynotes and didn't know if she could give a live Q&A during the weekend until about Saturday morning, you know, and she said, hey, I can be on at 11 if that works. Well, you had a prayer room schedule where Melissa was supposed to be with you. She was the one in, uh, conducting the interviews with the, So she had to jump in, uh, to interview Miriam in the time slot that she had available. And she calls me and says, hey, John, will you please jump in this prayer room with Dr. Bob? And man goes off, right? I had no idea what the room was about. I, I just knew that it was a prayer room. I hadn't explained yet. I go in a few minutes early and it's on addiction. And, you know, for as you know, you and I had talked about it before that I had I struggled. So the listeners that have been listening know that, you know, they've heard my conversion story. It was one of those Holy Spirit moments. Just, I was in tears. Like what, what went on in that room and just you beauty of in uh, the gift of you. I mean, it was amazing to be a part of it. You know, I reached out to you after that and just said, I would love to show. And, and so that's that's where we are today. But um, I mean, can you? I, I got to tell you something. What went on in that room and the people I struggle with, the, those that were with addiction, those that were living with addiction, 
just it was such a beautiful thing to see people your prayers and through uh, your station with them seem to start receiving healing even yeah, in- I was led that yeah. it was beautiful. Uh, the, the, wow was all, you know, yeah you, you think yeah. you're going to be limited by people for the world which was touching them in the middle of that was, oh. yeah I, I remember you talking in, in just to the foot of the cross I, I remember that specifically and I got to tell you something I was born and raised uh, a Protestant I was just in and you know we we prayed but I got to tell you something I, I've never been involved in a prayer like that that was so visual and um, you really felt like you were in this in, in this scene that you were depicting, like this imagery that you were for us. And I tell you something, my heart. Uh, there were some things that I that came up in my own heart that maybe I'd gotten past that I that I realized, man, like God is trying to touch my heart in this moment uh, about some things that maybe I'm not completely past. And and you know, I just have something to struggle with in that. Like there's. I think a lot of times as men, and, and the, you know, this show is predominantly listened to by men. There's women that listen to it too, but I know in my life, before, um, I had the the um, encounter with the Lord in the jail cell. Hey, a lot of times would push things down, right? Like I just would say, "Oh, I, there's no with me. I'm fine. I'm good. I don't need anything or anybody. I'm a I'm a one man army, and I'll push my way through it." And you know, it's less manly, and it's I'm less of a man if I admit that there's something going on in my in my life. But I think, Dr. Bob, like, we, we all know inside at some point that we need healing. But it's coming to grips with that. And I know that this is something that you help people with tremendously. You have these retreats and these talks and CDs and everything else. And I just I want you to talk about that a little bit, about the struggles that men have and how there's so many guys that, that send emails into this program that are just they're struggling with pornography, they're struggling with alcohol, they're struggling with drugs, um, all sorts of father wounds, things like that. Um, and, and a lot of them reach out and say, how do I, how do I get started? How do I give my life to Christ? How do I open up this, this, this avenue for the healing graces? So I want to get into that for a minute and just hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. I, I think the thing that we really shared immediately in common was my brother, mm-hmm. Dave had been uh, a heroin, had been addicted to heroin and was in jail. And sure. And as a family member, uh, we had the same wounds. We just handled them differently. And mm-hmm. so whether somebody has an addiction or whether somebody seems to be functioning pretty well in a professional career, it's like underneath the, the surface, there's similar stuff. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it was easy for me to look at my brother and say, uh, he needs help. But as I began to work on myself, I, I really not me working on myself, but I began to focus on where I needed healing and, and invited Jesus into that. And it was really through an experience on a, on a retreat week, weekend that uh, was really powerful for me. And uh, I had already been in this process of dealing with some stuff and, and just experiencing the Holy Spirit, just, you know, as you experienced it in jail, in, in sure. that changes you. That, that really changes you, changes your outlook. And I think it takes that kind of awareness of God's love begin to let go of some of the places where we're so tightly wound and and yeah and trying to make it work ourselves and you know you talked about that self-sufficiency we talk a lot in our conferences about uh the root of sin is ungodly self-sufficiency you know it's Mm. it's it seems to be the great american uh vision for manhood but it's actually (laughs) it's actually adam's vision for manhood you know yeah (laughs) the tree of knowledge of good and evil it's you know, I'm, I'm going to do it myself. Hell with sure. you, God. Uh, I'm going to be God. And yeah. 
we don't realize that we're doing that. I mean, I, I think I didn't. I, you probably didn't. No. Uh, it's just like this is how we've been enculturated. Mm-hmm. And, and yet once you start, you know, what happened to me in that weekend experience started with a group of guys coming around and being honest with each other. Yeah. You know? and, and you've been involved in that too. And there's sure. something so powerful when men sit down and they get past the, you know, hi, how you doing? Here are my accomplishments. This is what I do at work. These are the sports teams that I love. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything in my life is great. You know, all the stuff <laughs> that, that men share with each other or don't share with each other. Right. And we get back behind that and we begin to share our lives and our struggles and our desires and our fears. And, you know, that's really powerful. I mean, that mm-hmm. that changed my life when I started to do that with other men. Yeah, same here. And there's something about it. I've often mentioned whenever I'm giving talks or, or just on the show talking about these sort of things. And you're talking about being vulnerable. I mean, that's one of the things that I talk about the most. But I always tell people, I wish I could bottle up like the feeling. I wish there was an injection or something where you could pull out that feeling of that. Because I remember when I was in the midst of my addiction, you know, I was performing well at work. I was a salesman of the year for this Fortune 250 company from the outside looking in. I mean, I had a beautiful wife, I had three children, I had a car, a nice house, all of those things. And I'm sure people looked and said, man, that guy's really got it together. That guy's, you know, you know, whatever from the outside looking in because I had built that facade. But man, I was so wrecked inside and I was just, I wanted to cry out for help. I remember there were nights where I was sitting there doing drugs and hiding it in my house and, you know, probably on my 13th or 14th beer and 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 just weeping, you know, in my hands, going like, I wish, I wish I wasn't like this. I wish my wife wasn't like this. I wish, I wish I could be different. And then feeling like I couldn't be. But yeah. I remember, I remember in that cell, you know, like in that moment where I was brought to my knees, it was like I, everything was taken off of me in this freedom. Yeah. And, and and I'm and I found it again when 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 I was in the room with those men, when I shared with those guys, when we came together, it was. You could see it in their eyes, and you could, and I could feel it in my own heart. Like, I've had to carry all of this stuff. Like, someone convinced me along the way in my life that I had to carry all this junk myself. And, and you know, Dr. Bob, I know you've had experience with that, too. And it's just junk, right? Like, it, it's it's not the truth. It's the lies of the devil, and it's he wants to keep us isolated with it. Yeah, and, and it's what it does. It's, it's shame. It brings shame. Mm-hmm. And then in shame, we isolate. And, yeah. And- we all do that, and then we start to perform because we, we, we think that if we just perform like you described, we perform well enough, it's going to overcome our shame. It's going to give us enough esteem you know, yeah. of, of others that, that nobody will see our shame. But you know, everybody has shame right? because everybody knows that we're not what we're meant to be. I mean, mm. We all know that. Uh, it's part of original sin. And, and so when guys tell me, I don't need any healing, I had a great family, I had a great upbringing, my life's great, I have a great wife, I have great kids, I, I say, that all may be true, but you're a son of Adam as well as a son mm. of Jesus. And we all struggle uh, because none of, us, none of us love well enough, none of us yeah. have received love to the way that we needed to receive it. And just at that basic core level, that's what healing is. You know, mm. healing is just... You know that what happened to you in the jail cell was an encounter with love. Mm, yeah, and and what happened with me on that retreat weekend was the same thing. You know, God is love, and 
and and this desire for love and we keep trying to get the people around us to fill that our wives or our friends or our children or even our performance our careers and nothing fills that and it's it's until you have an encounter like that you you don't realize it it's like it's all i know yeah it's it's all i know well you know i get this question often a lot like do you think people have to hit rock bottom to find what you're talking about? Because a lot of people, you do see that. You see people like myself, like you, that have, have been in these situations and you just kind of, something happens and your life changes, right? It's it's almost biblical in a way where you see like the, and I'm not saying that you and I are apostles. I don't, you know, keep this humble, please. <laughs> but, but what I mean by that is like in the gospels, you see when Jesus went to certain people that were just like Matthew, who was ashamed of who he was, right? Everyone hated him. The the, the Romans hated him because he was a Jew. The Jews hated him because he was taking their money and giving it to the Romans. And you almost can see when you read that and you really look into it, Matthew was just like, he threw everything down and left and followed Christ because it was the answer he was looking for. You know, Peter, even in his angst and his anger and just, it seems like discontent with where his life was, right? We're not catching any fish. We never catch fish, those type things. And yet he leaves his nets and he goes and follows Jesus. So you have those moments where that happens to certain people where their life has just been in this place and then they meet Christ and they're gone. Boom. Like I am, I am his for the rest of my life. Mary Magdalene, others. But what about people that don't have those moments? Like, what would you say to that? Well, I, I think there's a, there's a lot of, like, the Blessed Mother, St. Joseph, are, are people mm-hmm. who just lived in that relationship, right, all the time. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people who do that, too. And, you know, that was true of me to some extent, but I didn't realize that there was a whole level that I was missing. Mm. Uh, and I, th- I think, you know, I've been reflecting on this a lot uh, why do we need to be saved? What do we need to be saved from? Mm. Right? And yeah. I think all of us can say death. Okay? We can all agree on that. We need to be saved from death. Right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus resurrecting from the dead and giving us the promise that we're going to beat death, we need a Savior like that. Yeah. I think all of us would say we need a Savior from sin. Right? Mm-hmm. That none of us are going to say, I, I've overcome all of my sin in my life. And I did it on my own because that's sin in itself, right? Sure. Uh, so I think at those basic levels, we kind of all know we need to be saved from something. But there are so many deeper levels of the way that sin operates in our life and the way that death operates in our life mm-hmm. that we all have that in common. I mean, nobody escapes that. Uh, you know, when in, in the fall, I, I really believe we, we see it right away. We see... Adam and Eve going and hiding in shame and being afraid. Yeah. Right? And for a man, it's not okay to say I'm afraid. Yeah. Right? I, I can't say that because then you're not a tough man. <laughs> but I've never met a man or a woman or any other person who's lived on the earth who doesn't have a lot of fear. Yeah. A lot of fear. Every person who's, who's in this conversation with us right now has fear. And if we don't talk about that fear, if we don't share that fear with other people, if we don't bring that fear to God primarily, then then we get controlled by that fear. Mm-hmm. And, and we end up controlling everything. You know? Yeah. And, and why else do you take drugs? Right? But you're trying to control pain. Yeah. You're trying, you're trying to overcome that anxiety that's there all the time. 
Why sure. else do we? Why else do we try to prove ourselves to the rest of the world? Because we're we have this belief that you know I don't amount to anything unless I prove myself. There's, there's a fear of of not being good enough. And, yeah. and I think as long as we're not dealing with that fear, we're going to act it out, and the people around us are going to get hurt. And once you start dealing with the fear and bringing it to the only person that can help us, which is God, and to share it with our brothers so that we break down the isolation and we can support each other, mm-hmm. then then we start to grow. So, no, I don't think you have to hit rock bottom. I think you just have to become aware of what's already going on in your life. Sure. Sure. And, and you're, you're hitting it on the head from what I remember feeling. You know, I remember wanting to be at peace, right? I was a hundred percent commissioned salesman. And so, you know, if I didn't sell something, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, uh, eat, you know, and, and we had to pay for everything, our own gas, our own expenses, all of that. I had a young family. I mean, my wife worked and she did well. She worked at St. Jude, but I had this pressure I put on myself that like, I've got to be the provider. I'm the man. I've got to do this. If I'm failing, and so I was always just worried. I I, I never was at peace. And yeah. now at the time I wasn't going, you know, I wasn't a man of faith really either. I had walked away from my Baptist faith and, and had become Catholic, but had never really become Catholic. I, I just was going through the motions. But I remember the only time that I thought I felt peace was when I was on the drugs, right? Because it would just numb. And I would yeah. go in. It was almost like I would sink into the couch and I'd have my beer and my everything else. When I got that going, I was fine. You know, the world was dead to me for however long until I went to bed. And then I woke up and my problems waited for me again, like there again at the doorstep. And, you know, what I've learned is, is when you can surrender that, like you're saying, which is so hard for men. Like, I, I think what what happens often is guys start to do what you're talking about, right? We isolate, we build up walls, we, we don't want to ask for help. And we start to hope in ourselves, right? We place the hope that should be in Christ in ourselves which sets us up for failure because yep. we, we never can save ourselves like you like you pointed out. And we begin to not trust in Christ and begin to try to trust in ourselves. And you wind up, you know, really sinning, sinning against hope, right? Because you're either in despair or you're, presumpt- or you're in presumption, right? I'm presuming I can save myself or I'm despairing because I've worked my way into a place I can't get out of. Yeah, you can't. And then, then we need stuff to get us to forget, like, you know, success or drugs or sex or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember my brother saying to me, this was one of those rare moments where he got honest and he said to me, uh, the only time I ever feel good is when mm. I'm high on heroin. Yeah. He said, it's the euphoria that I've never experienced before. And he said, I live for that. And mm. I said, but Dave, what happens the rest of the time? You know, yeah. look at, Look at what you've done to get that euphoria and look at how little it lasts. You know, you got to get a bigger drug and you're more, you know, and, and it's not yeah. just with heroin, it's with all, everything. You know, sure. if, our, if our fix is approval from other people, you know, we become a slave to approval. Mm-hmm. Or if our fix is getting enough money, we become a slave to getting enough money. You know, whatever it is, sex, we become yeah. a sex. And, you know, we, none of us, None of us is really free if we're a slave, yeah. right? I mean, we think we're free, but we have no freedom if we're a slave. Yeah. No, you're right, and I, and I remember feeling that way too. I remember uh, my body. Actually, I could go to work all day long and be fine, and 4.30 or 5 in the afternoon as I'm heading home, if, if I even thought I'm not going to do drugs tonight, my body would almost like 
make me feel like I was going to vomit. I, I mean, it was, I was trying to talk, I was talking to my wife about this. I was on Matt Frad's show the other day and we, he brought this up and we were talking about it. I just hadn't thought about it in a while. And I was trying, I don't know that I ever told my wife this, but I was telling her, I said, you know, it was like the worst stomach virus you could ever imagine. And your body would just automatically go into that. Yeah. And then as soon as I go, I can't take this, I'm going to, I'm going to turn around and go meet my dealer. It would stop. Like yeah. it would just go away. You would feel uh, fine again. It was the craziest thing. And I'd heard a, a, a guy who was a heroin addict, a heroin addict, I believe his name was Artie Lang. He was a comedian that used to be around. And, um, and he said something like someone asked him, why do you do heroin? Like, why don't you stop? And he said exactly what you said, like your normal is my sick. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it really is that for, for those of you out there that have never experienced a drug addiction, maybe you've got somebody in your family that is, uh, that's an important thing to understand is, is it really is something that controls them. There, there's, I can remember people in my life telling me that knew, why don't you just stop, man, just stop, like just quit it. But there comes a point where you can't, you know, like it's just, it's got so much control of you that you can't do anything on your own. That's why there's these 12 step programs and these healing uh, things like you do, Dr. Bob, that help people break free from these addictions. But you're exactly right. I remember that feeling, and it gives me chills to even go yeah. back to it. You know, it, it's scary. You know, and and I think even even when people aren't on drugs, we we know what it's like if we're living on adrenaline. Yeah. And then the adrenaline's gone. You know, mm -hmm. like sure. like the adrenaline of an exciting. Uh, sexual fantasy or the adrenaline of an exciting work project or, you know, and we can only push ourselves so long and then we feel the depletion and we feel the emptiness. Yeah. And, uh, you know, which by the way, my brother, like you, I shared this, but I just share it with the rest of the guys had a, sure. had a version experience and it was really powerful to see the joy in his life. That was a constant mm -hmm. rather than, rather than that, what he believed to be true. And so, you know, if anybody's out there believing that, you're a witness to that, you know, and, and my <laughs> Thank you. Witness to that, that, uh, there is a way out. There is a yeah. way out. And, and, and it is possible. That's the thing. You know, we also, I'm sure you're very familiar with this too, but how many times in your life have you heard people can't change, right? You can't change. It's not possible. People don't change. And there's living proof of that, of that, your brother, myself, plenty of others around the world. Um, but there was that, that belief that I remember beating myself down every time I would get even close to trying to make myself stop. I would tell myself, what's, the, what's the use? You're not going to change You're you'll make it a couple of days and fail again. And you can almost have that visualiz visualization of the devil in yep. your ear, you know, yep. just whisper in your mind, like your mind, your mind. And he convinces you of that, right? That you kind of build this prison cell of your, of whether it's drugs or anything, your own sins, faults, mistakes, failures. And every time you go to open that door, he's sitting there prodding and poking and saying, you know, those wounds and saying, oh, remember your porn problem? People are going to find out about that. Remember your, you know, your, your marital problems. Remember the way you talk to this person. And so we never open that door and we stay in there. And the devil kind of teaches or trains us to think that there's nothing but pain and loss and torture outside of that, out of that virtual cell. But to your point, what we find out when, when Christ comes into our lives and we fully surrender, um, then you find out that it was nothing but a lie and there's nothing but peace and joy. And, you know, somebody asked me that the other day, they said, how do you, do you ever think about doing drugs again? And I said, well, like sometimes I'm in the car and Eric Clapton's cocaine will come on or something and I'll feel a tingle down my neck. But like, I, I look over at my wife and kids, you know, and I look at the men that are in my life now that, 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 that hold me accountable. 
And I wouldn't trade that for the world. The relationship I have, like, I know Jesus Christ. Like, that's the thing. Like, I knew of him, but now I know him. And, and I don't want to turn away from it. And that is possible for everybody that's watching this. Um, you just have to believe it. And, and, and that's what I want to talk about that, Dr. Bob. So if you're somebody, because I have a lot of guys that obviously struggle with pornography that, that listen to the show. And, and to the point where, you know, I had a guy one time when I was on the road, um, I was sitting at the table after a talk and I, I didn't speak to any of that. I was just really telling my story. And, and, um, and he came up and he just shared with me, he said, uh, John, I have been, uh, I started watching pornography about 12 years ago. He said, I just lost interest in my wife. I'm a father of nine and I lost interest in her in, her in that way. And he said, um, I didn't want to cheat on my wife, so I started to watch pornography, which immediately I'm like, well, that is cheating on your wife. You know, I mean, that is not being chased in your marriage. So, But um, the next thing he said was he just bowed his head down a little bit, you know, and he said, and I'm ashamed to say this, but I've, I thought that was going to be the end of it. But two years ago, I started seeing a prostitute. And to your point earlier about it's never enough, right? right. There's a lot of guys on here that are dealing with that, not just drug addictions or alcohol addictions, but pornography and and where do where do where does a guy start? You know, where do we if they're if they're really wanting to change their life, if they're trying to to get out of these wounds or these addictions? Because uh, I do believe a lot of them come from family father wounds and stuff like that. Where does a man start? How do you get to the root of it? And where do you begin? Yeah, great question. And coincidentally, you didn't know this, but I was just working on that chapter today. Oh, wow. Is uh, I have a book on healing sexual wounds coming up. Oh, and wow. I was working on this chapter on sexual compulsion. So it's it's very fresh. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, we, when we do we do a holy desire uh, and we do this for a lot of people. But it's uh, we, we do it specifically for priests and seminarians in conference. Now we have the material for everybody. Mm. But one of the things we say at the very beginning and, and I and I every I want every guy to hear this because this is your freedom. Is this is the pathway to freedom? Behind every disordered desire, which all lust, all all pornography use, you know, any any area of sin in our life, but uh, particularly pornography use, masturbation, fantasy, all of that is a disordered desire. I think we would all recognize that there's something out of God's order in that. Sure. So, so behind every disordered desire is a holy desire mm. that Satan can't create. He can only imitate. And so he puts something out there that's a lie that mirrors the truth of what our hearts long for. Yeah. And so wow. if, if you look at any kind of uh, addiction, but let's take pornography right now, but you take pornography and what are you looking for? What are you looking at in the imagery? You're looking for beauty. You're looking for communion. You're looking for acceptance. You're looking for power. Uh, you don't want to be rejected. You don't want to be forgotten. You know, mm. the guy who talked about losing interest in his wife, what happened is he, he lost the connection with his wife. Yeah. And so he's looking for connection. We're, we're all in need of that connection. Right? It's, it's, it's the deepest hunger that we have. Is, is to belong and be loved and be cared for, and, and so behind those disordered desires, there's a there's a good holy desire. Mm. Uh, uh, G. K. Chesterton said, "Be every man that goes into a brothel is looking for God." Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> so 
behind everything, no matter how disordered it is. And, and you know, some guys can because of, because of that addictive path, you can get really into dark, dark stuff. Mm-hmm. But even in the darkest stuff, there's something your heart's longing for. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I've I've worked with people who were in sadism and masochism, and you know, it's like yeah. what, what holy could there be there? But they're but they're looking for connection. They're looking for feeling of getting over powerlessness, feeling of of being in control. You know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. there's something good there. Then behind the holy desire are unmet needs. Yeah, okay? there are unmet needs in development and in the present life. And if we don't pay attention to those needs, we're going to find an illicit way to find to meet them. Sure. Yeah. And then behind those unmet needs are unhealed wounds, which is what you're talking about before. The, the father wounds, the mother wounds, the rejections from girlfriends or spouses or whatever they are. Or they could be wounds from our own sin. You know, like, like yeah. being involved with pornography, being involved with drugs, being involved with, with selfishness, we wound ourselves in that. Mm. So things like shame and the pain of abandonment and rejection, these are all the things we talk about in our healing the whole person. Uh, all of those, we all suffer with them. And if we don't deal with those wounds, we're going to find a way to medicate them. Yeah. So pornography is a way to medicate our wounds and a false way to try to satisfy the needs, which are good needs. They're real yeah. needs. Okay. And then one more level, which is behind every unhealed wound, is a hidden pattern of sin. Okay. So let me give you an example here. Every guy, what, what happened with that guy that you described? And I, I, I work with so many people in these situations and sure and there's a good heart behind every one of them right yeah. but somewhere along the line this man's heart got disconnected because he was angry and he didn't deal with the anger mm. he became angry with his wife before he yeah. became before he became bored with her he became envious of the guy who had this beautiful wife or whatever it was whatever that area of sin was and again I'm not speaking about his particular, I'm just saying from my experience, sure. there's always sure. these, these hidden patterns of sin in our heart that happen way before the addiction. Could be a resentment towards a father for the way the father treated it. Could be an old girlfriend and never having forgiven that old girlfriend uh, yeah. for the rejection that you experience. Whatever it is, there's a there's something deep in there that needs to be repented of, needs to be brought to the light, but then we also need to deal with the wounds that have been underlying that. And sure. if a guy will follow that course with help from other people, they'll get free. Uh, and, you know, if they don't have any other resources, they can look online for the holy desire and the healing of the whole person material uh, with us. But there's there's sure. lots of there's lots of 12 step groups. I mean, everybody understands this as they work to get free at some sure. level. Sure. Well, and I mean, isn't, you know, what you're describing too seems like to me a lot of guys that struggle with confession for instance you know a lot of guys don't go forever in fact i had a guy yesterday that uh, became a supporter of our ministry that you know 50 60 years old said i i hadn't been in confession in 25 30 years and he was he was going to go this friday it was really a nice moment to get to spend with him um but uh for the first time but uh, you know i've talked to men so many times that that 
they don't want to go to confession because, quote unquote, I'm tired of telling the priest again and again that I'm being impure with myself or whatever it is. But what you're talking about is not just going and proclaiming the sin. It's getting to the root of it. Like, what is causing it? Like, if I'm angry, I have to be angry about something. Like, what am I mad about? It's not just me yelling at my kids or yelling at my wife or taking my frustration out on a friend or a customer or something. Like, there's something that's caused that. And yeah. I think a lot of times when we guys look at confession is just sort of, or people in general, is it's like going to take a shower. I'm, I feel dirty. I'm going to go clean up real quick and then get out without really looking at where's this coming from? Like, what, what where's this behavior coming from? And, and how do I start to be repentant of it? And that's something that we've talked about some here on the show lately is true repentance. And where do you see that playing in? Like, because there, there comes a, a time where you have to know the things that are going on in your life. Like, when I was doing drugs, I knew inside yep. that this is not healthy behavior. This is not what I need to be doing. This I'm not being a good father. I'm not being a good husband. But that was overcome with, you know, the other side of it going, no, you're fine. You're good. You're providing. You're, you know, just patting myself back up. But at some point, um, there has to come a point where, one, you admit there's an issue. Two, you start to look at where it comes from. And then three, if you wouldn't mind, talk about true repentance because that's something – I think that gets overlooked a lot of times in, in, when you're trying to heal or you're trying to confess or, or get past these things where I go in there because it's something I'm supposed to do. It can become a check the box sort of, but where, where does true repentance fall into this whole process? Yeah. Well, the word, the word repentance in the, in the Greek is metanoia, which is even mm-hmm. in the English pent is no. So it's, mm-hmm. it's to know, know again, it's mm-hmm. to think again. And so we talked before, you talked before about the lies that we believe. Sure. The rationalizations and the justifications and all that kind of stuff. And so part of it is recognizing the lies and coming to see the truth, right? And and as we come to see the truth, then the next step of that is changing direction. That's what else repentance means. It's going from having our back towards God and being Mm self-reliant and turning towards God and saying, I need you. So it's yeah. that moving from that ungodly self-sufficiency and saying, I need help. And God, I need your help. And if I need your help, God, that means I need other people's help to help me. Yeah. And that's the beginning of repentance. After that, it's a process of what you're describing, which is, it's not just recognizing that, but it's getting down to the roots of it. We, we use an analogy of a tree, uh, in our in our conferences and we have people map out their trees so let's say that let's say the issue is anger okay -hmm. so we have look at all the different manifestations of anger on the top of the tree let's say that's bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness and outburst of rage or whatever it is and so we can just name this is how i deal with anger in an unhealthy way this is how i sin. st paul Mm -hmm. says be angry but don't sin in your anger so we're talking Deadly sin of anger. So then we say, okay, those are all just fruit on the tree. You can, you can, you know, the guy you talked about going to, I don't want to go to confession anymore. You can take fruit off of the tree and keep handing it to the priest, but the tree is going to still grow the apples. Yeah. Wow. Right? <laughs> and get down to the roots. Yeah. And so from the, from all of these, things on the top of the tree at the trunk of the tree is this deadly sin of anger it's it's the thing that all these things have in common mm-hmm. okay but underneath that anger is a lot of pain and our woundedness we've got 
rejection, we've got abandonment, we've got powerlessness, all those places that our hearts, we, as men, we haven't looked at. Yeah. So if we're all we're doing is taking apples off the tree, it's important because we, we need to get forgiveness. So we're not living in shame and we're receiving God's grace. Sure. But, but eventually we need to get down underneath that to look at what's driving this, what's motivating this, why am I continuing to do this? And mm -hmm. again, all that isn't on our own, it's with God's help, but it's real help. It's not pie in the sky kind of help. It's sure. real, concrete, tangible help with other people and God all working together. Yeah. Well, what a beautiful image. I mean, <laughs> that's probably the best explanation of that I've ever heard, honestly. I'm not trying to just flatter you. I mean, that's that's a great visual, and, and I think that helps explain it. Because um, it's like the chains you're trying to break, right? Those roots are keeping you keeping you from, from being able to move somewhere else, right? To move on. And uh, and I think that's where guys or people in general we 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 get stuck, is that we're we're going and we're sort of like I said checking that box of uh, I'm I've done this I participated in the sacrament I'm I'm keeping yeah. up with what I'm supposed to do as a Catholic but is it really becoming what it needs to be in your life and what it's supposed to be what God intended it to be which is to be a, a, a you know a reconciling experience but also a freeing one for us too so. Dr. Bob, tell us a minute, like what you guys do. Like, I want to get into more about what you guys do at the Healing Center because I, I just have a feeling right now. I'm hearing through this conversation that there's a lot of people that are probably going to be watching this and listening to this, whether they're listening to the audio or watching it on on social media or whatever. Um, that they they are probably pretty impressed with with the things you've been saying and where. Just tell us more about what they can do, like how they can get involved, and the ways you can help people with what you guys are doing at the JP2 Healing Center. Okay. Uh, pretty much what we're talking about is what we do, but uh, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll tell you how we do it. Sure. Uh, yeah. We, we, we do two things. We have conferences, and mm -hmm. they're both live conferences and virtual conferences, so people can access them either way. They can go in person to a conference, although right now with COVID, that's a little more challenging. But we have all the conferences we've done now. We're putting them up online during this season so that people can actually go through a conference get a workbook, and people have life-changing experiences at the conferences. You know, like what we experience in that room, that sure. prayer room. It's yeah. just like the presence of God shows up. And not that he's not already there, but he shows up in such powerful ways that people get freed from stuff. And, and this is the work that we do in the conferences. We, we look at our, our trees and we look at, you know, just the, the th same thing I described. We look at where these things are rooted in, what the beliefs are, the, you know, the things that you said before, the, the things that we're believing that we're doing it. And we're not doing it in, in a, just psychology. We're doing it in prayer and yeah. allowing God to get and reach that. And we go through exercises of, of deep, heartfelt forgiveness. And, and uh, people say they go to confession on the retreats and have the best confession of their life because they're wow. dealing with deeper stuff. Sure. Um, that's one way is through the conferences. Second way is through the resources. We have a lot of workbooks that go along with the conferences and a lot of books that fit that material. So if, if it's not just my books, it's books of others on our on our team. Sister Miriam, you mentioned earlier. Sure, yeah. My daughter Carrie, who does the women's conferences. My brother Bart, who does mm -hmm. the conference with us. And so we have all these resources that if people just want a book or people just want to hear one talk and see if it strikes them, they can all get that online. Okay, uh, and in these conferences and in the in the books, the whole all of them are meant to lead people through a process 
of encountering God in the areas of our deeper woundedness and getting freed from the areas where we're uh, not not living in freedom. And so they all have a different emphasis, uh, so unique emphasis. You know, like one of them's more geared toward pornography, like the Holy Desire. Okay. One's the healing old person's more general. Uh, the undone's more for women. The, the men on fire is more for men. So there's a lot of different things for different people. We do stuff for priests, for religious, for uh, consecrated, for deacons, for married couples. Unveiled is the marriage, marriage oh, okay. couple. And so there's a book, Be Devoted, for married couples. Okay. Uh, again, all of these have the same process. So if a guy's struggling with pornography, he can go and get uh, the material from uh, Holy Desire. Uh, next year, this book, Be Restored, will be there. If a guy okay. uh, is wanting to improve his marriage and, and re realizes a lot of issues there, be devoted and unveiled. So there's a lot of combinations of wow. stuff that they can work with. So do they? Do these take place around the country? Do they? I know you guys are located in Tallahassee. So do yeah. they come there? Do they go? Are there places around the country when obviously COVID isn't going on? Uh, where do these things take place? They, they take place all over the country. Okay. Uh, been in Mexico and uh, and well, we haven't been to Canada yet, but we've talked about Canada. So all over North America. Okay. Uh, and uh, right now with COVID, things are canceling again. We've been doing them the last couple months, but they're canceling again. So so what we're doing, we we did these virtuals so that they can still go to the conferences uh, in the home. And people are telling us how powerful it's been to be able to listen to the talk, stop it begin to process something, put it back yeah. on, get the workbook, take their time, and then go through it at their pace. They've been saying it's been really valuable. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that, where you could just go at your own pace and, and really digest it instead of trying to keep up in a room, you know, right. when it might just be going like that. Yeah, that's... Well, Dr. Bob, you guys are doing amazing things. And I mean, I, I am edified every time I get a chance to talk to you just in what you're doing and just the person you are. Um here at the end, I know we're coming to the close here of this interview. If you're a supporter of the ministry, if you're a patron, we're going to do an extra, you know, a little bit on an, on an interview here in a minute for those that are supporting the ministry. If you're not, you can join the ministry and support it by going to justagownthepew.com and clicking support or going to patreon.com uh, slash pew ministries. And you can catch a lot of these extra interviews that we've done with Bill Donahue and several other people that we've had on. Um, but Dr. Bob, I would love if you hear towards the end, you could just give us an example of a healing prayer because that's something that I think, um, you know, I know it, there's a broad spectrum of people that are probably needing all sorts of healing on here. But if you would just do us the honor of, of, of leading a prayer in that way for, for a few minutes, and I just want people to experience that and what one of those would be like if they hadn't before. Okay. And, and yeah. before I do this, I just want to sure. say one thing. Every, every guy who's listening, all the places that you're struggling, big or small, that you've gone hopeless in, those are the very places that God wants to meet you. Okay, yeah. Every, All those places where you're living in shame, those are the very places that, that Jesus is going to meet you. That's where you need him. So don't turn to yourself, turn to him. So this this prayer process will be a way to do this. So I, I just want to invite uh, every, every person just to, to ask the Holy Spirit to show you an area where you're struggling. Okay, and just take a couple seconds and, and let him show you some area of your life where there's a struggle, where there's a recurring pain or a recurring struggle, difficulty. 
And just in that, pay attention to what you feel when you think about that struggle. Do you feel afraid, anxious, angry, uh, depressed, hopeless, whatever that is? And just allow yourself to feel what it feels like. And as men, we have a hard time with that. So just, Holy Spirit, please help us identify what we feel there. And as you're in touch with that, identify what you believe about yourself in that struggle, in that area. What do you believe about yourself? And again, ask the Holy Spirit to show you. I'm stupid. I can't get over this. I can't change. I'm alone. There's nobody to help me. If I'm honest, I'll be rejected. Whatever those things are, just allow the Holy Spirit to show you personally in that struggle what you believe. Then once you become aware of that, ask the Holy Spirit to show you when you first began to believe that about yourself. When did this first start in your life? If you're having a hard time with that, just just don't try to find it. Just allow, allow it to come to you. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring it to you. And if it's a memory or it's just something you become aware of, again, allow yourself to feel what it feels like and what, it, what it's like to believe that about yourself. What does it feel like to believe that about yourself? You may even feel it in your body somewhere. Like if it's rejection, you may feel it in your chest. If it's fear, you may feel it in your gut. Confusion, you may feel it up around your eyes. If it's a burden of responsibility, you may feel it in your shoulders or your neck. Just become aware of whatever that feeling is when you believe that. And then whatever it is, in the authority of Jesus, renounce the belief because the belief is a lie, even if it has truth in it. So in the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the belief that, and whatever it is, And then pay attention to how it feels to release that, to not believe it anymore. Choose not to believe it. And then ask Jesus if he will reveal what's true about you in that place. What does he want you to know?
allow yourself to believe what he's saying to you if you can if you can receive from him could be in a picture could be in words could be a feeling could be just a thought whatever it is see if you see if you can hear and believe what he's saying to you what he's revealing to you when you have a sense of that, say it out loud, in the name of Jesus Christ, I announce the truth that I am. And pay attention to what you feel as you announce the truth. I announce the truth that I'm loved, that I'm not alone, that this is not hopeless, that I'm not hopeless, that I'm not bad. Whatever, whatever those things are, I announce the truth that I'm loved and that there's hope, that I can have freedom. Whatever those beliefs are that Jesus revealed to you. And then go back to the initial struggle, distress that we talked about at the very beginning. The first thing that came to your mind when we talked about a current struggle, something you struggle with. And, and test it out. See, see if that feels different to you now. And then say in the present what you believe about yourself. In the present circumstance, Communicate what Jesus revealed to you about the truth. And if any of you are having struggle with hearing Jesus, the, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. So whatever you believe that was a lie, the opposite of that is truth. So just speak that out loud. Speak the truth, the opposite of what you were believing as the lie. Just speak it out as the truth. Even if you're not convinced of it yet, it's, there's his power in speaking it out. And then ask the Holy Spirit to, to give you the grace to believe it deeply in the core of you, in your heart. And with that, just thank Jesus for his love and for his truth because he can't be anything else but love and truth. We pray all this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Dr. Bob. You are a gift to the church, my friend, and you've been a gift to a lot of people today. And for those of you that have been watching, listening, you can find out more at it's jp2healingcenter.org, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. So you can go there and if you're looking for some of these retreats or you're looking for an opportunity to try to get past some of these things in your life, I'm sure Dr. Bob and his team of people there will be glad to help you do it. So Dr. Bob, thank you again. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you and, and, and to be to call you a friend. So yeah, thanks that, for being here. That's your gift. Thanks, John. All right. God bless. Bless.